Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent. Hi, John. How you going? Hello, Tom. Very well. We got Troy here. How talented is this guy? He was your, um, he was a PA. He's an auctioneer. He's a video uh, uh, specialist on social media as well. Could have been a male model. Could I have mean, been a look male at, model. Look he does look, he does, he's, he does he, look he's got the looks that you and I would Mate, kill we for. aspire. We aspire. <laughs> you and I have got great looks for a podcast. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing I love about this is he can't say a single thing back to us at the moment. <laughs> so, Troy, look, and by the way, he does he does look good and he's a smart guy and I didn't realise he's, um, he's auctioning. He, he's, John, he's, you've had a lot of PAs that have actually gone off and they're in real estate as well, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I'm blessed that I've had a great series of people that have started in junior roles with me, including PAs, and have gone, and many of them, yeah, including Troy, I'm still blessed to have work in the company. Bethwin Richards is now a part owner of the business. She's one of our partners, and she started as my PA, and, and of course, Troy and Aladdin, and there's a multitude of, of others that are still working for us. So it's kind of been a nice path for people to come through, which makes me feel good being able to teach people along the way and see yeah. them blossom. All right, so two things, John. I get asked this so often, so often. You speak at an event, you get off as you're walking, someone comes up and, you know, they ask you, they say, listen, I've been working in this office for about six, seven years. I want to go out on my own. Have you got a moment to to chat? And I can't help but uh, want to talk about that, John. Should you... um, always have as your plan that you're going to open up a business as you progress your real estate career or having an effective business unit can be the same vehicle that will give you the same freedom and realize the potential. So I want to talk about that during yep. this podcast. Yep. I also want to talk about um, the uh, auction versus private treaty. Yep. Uh, I get asked all the time, "Is auctions don't work in our area or... Um, should we be doing everything as auctions? Um, so can we talk about those two things? Yeah, sounds like two good topics for this week. Okay, so the first thing is, John, running a business, opening up your office versus having a unit of two or three people, um, what's better? Well, look, I, I think I'm going to use a general answer for both. It's a bit the same as I don't think everything should be auction or private treaty. I don't think owning an office is for everyone, but it is for some others. So I think, you know, generally speaking, we'll probably find that there's commonality amongst these two questions. <clears throat> Nowadays, I find that the structure of the real estate industry now allows, plus technology, mobile technology and so forth, allows people to build extremely large businesses whilst working inside an umbrella company. And I look at even our company, I think that you know we don't have 400 salespeople in our company, we have 400 small business units, um, many of whom employ their own staff, they run a business unit, they have their own budgets, uh, they run their own personal services corporation, if you will, just the same as they would if they were running a business outside. But what they get from companies like ours, and there's a number of other companies like ours that provide these sort of services is they get infrastructure, they get brand, they get the ability to tap into training, they get a network that they can work with. And I guess they get a whole range of things. So I think that people have got to see that if you're working within another company at the moment, there is the opportunity to build your own business inside. Nowadays, I know when I started in real estate, it was kind of different then. No one employed any sales teams, used to get paid a debit credit wage. It was a different structure, but things have moved on. So I think the real estate industry and a number of organisations now provide good salespeople 
a path that allows them <coughs> to build their business without having to go, if they don't want to, to go and start their own organisation. And we have some people, we're very fortunate, we have a number of people in the company that are earning more than most large metropolitan real estate offices, but they're a team of three. Yeah. So you've got a sales agent, you've got a, a marketing or administration assistant, and they've got a buyer specialist working for them. And they're bringing in two, three, four million dollars. Yeah. So I, I think that there is that opportunity, and, and I often ask some of them, why do you do that? Because, you know, I'm blessed that you stay work with us, but some people would wonder why you don't go and start your own business. And they say, firstly, John, I've got my own business. Secondly, is the stuff that you and your team of management staff fix up, I don't want to fix up. Yeah. Um, and three is I like working in a team environment with really good people. And you know, when I go out and work in a smaller suburban environment or a smaller office myself, I sort of lose that connection with a lot of people. So, you know, I think, you know, I don't have any blanket answer, Tom. I mean, I obviously started my own business and, and it's probably in hindsight been the right decision for me. But I've got to say, when I started, the market and the industry was different. There wasn't the opportunity to do what you can do today. So I kind of had to do it if I wanted to, to you know, grow myself and my business. I think nowadays you actually do have a, a genuine option even if you want to grow, I mean, if you want to grow to $5 million, you can actually do it within the four walls of an organisation. Yeah. That probably didn't exist for people 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I can't help but notice, John, that some of the times, and it, and it, it saddens me a bit because occasionally you see a really good salesperson that was writing, say, about 800000 or 900 grand a year, and yep. they're doing well. Yep. And then what you see is that they begin to tell the story in their head that the natural progression has to be that what I'm going to do is actually open up an office. And what you see is they open up the business and in the first six months, they smash it because they are running an energy-driven business. But somewhere along the line, all these other things that were being done by the office, which they didn't really notice because they were sort of you know, just working, talking to vendors, buyers, having their vendor meetings, they actually notice that they've got to start doing, you know, tax work, insurance work. They've got to start worrying about payroll. They've got to start uh, having a lot of one-on-ones with all the staff in the office. And the next thing you know is the thing that they were most good at, conversations with vendors and buyers, are being squashed out of their blockout day because yeah. there's other things that they're doing. And then what makes it really, really sad is that this person that may have been writing 800000 you notice, starts dropping their revenue. And they're getting stressed as well because what happens is they're not doing the things that they love doing. They seem to be caught up working uh, in an administrative, coordinative project management type job trying to keep this business going. Um, you must see that around the industry happening, John. Yeah, look, I, look, I think you're right, Tom. That you know, most salespeople, if they're well organised, they can spend ninety to ninety-five percent of their time working on dollar productive activities, prospecting, listing, and selling. Um, once you become a principal, there's a whole range and a whole set of other layers of complexity that come into the business, including having to deal with staff and and issues and technical operational stuff. So that 90, 95% can sometimes drop back to 50, 40, 30%, which does become an issue. Um, you know, I guess all I'd say to people that are considering it, because I think for some people, it's probably the right decision. I think for most people, they can achieve everything they want to achieve wherever they are right now. 
and they can build a great business and they can invest the income they earn from building that great business in other capital appreciating assets. Because yeah. often what I hear is people say, yeah, but I want a rent roll. Well, guess what? The average rent roll in Australia is 200 properties. Not tiny, but not huge. By the time you, you know, build that up over 10 or 15 years to get to 200, 220 properties, yeah. and then you go and sell it, it's actually not often a life-changing scenario. Whereas if along the way you get fully focused, 95% on dollar productive activities, you make yourself seven figures or more, you invest that money in quality real estate assets or shares, whatever is your external investment policy, um, then you can probably earn 10 times what a rent roll would be worth. So I think you've just got to look at all things. Information is power. If you look at things, work out realistically what you would make from a rent roll. Uh, organic growth over the years, work out realistically um, the profit at the end of a small business, which is often not as much as people think. People come in and they say, wow, you sold 200 properties and you made this much commission, you must be making bongo bucks. Well, reality is by the time you pay all the stuff and all the hidden stuff as well, and you split your agents in and so forth, you probably could have made more elsewhere. Yeah. So I, I never discourage people from doing it. All I say, Tom, is just equip yourself with the knowledge recognize that you can do what you want to do internally and the other thing is you know is freedom at the end of the day a lot of agents they work really hard all year and they get the opportunity to just like check out and then in a month later check back in yeah. as as you know for business leaders and business owners it's like 24 7 365 and if while you're on holiday there's a disaster at the office or there's a client that's got an issue invariably it sort of comes back to you so yeah, yeah. Th there's, there's, there's benefit in both. But John, there's, and I've got to tell you, there's a, um, throughout the year when I do my video blogs, I can give you a few examples of people that um, we have more or less talked about just then. Uh, Vivian Yap, you know, a, a woman that's writing a, a couple of million bucks a year in uh, June. She wrote a, a million in July, August, September. Sorry, in June she wrote... And this is one month, uh, wasn't it? In one month, yeah. 860,000. And then she followed up in July, August, September with a million. And she's a person that's got two to three support staff. Mm -hmm. And she has told me she has no interest whatsoever about running a business. She wants to have her business unit. She's got total admiration for her uh, owner and principal. Yeah. She sees her owner and principal as someone who's a coach, mentor that grows people. She doesn't want to do that. She wants to serve vendors and buyers and sellers and do that with them and do it in an efficient way. Mark the Duke Julio. I think, by the way, we are trying to get uh, Vivian to speak at ARIC. I think, I think she's confirmed in a few months. She, yeah, she'll be at ARIC for fantastic. sure. Fantastic. Um, um, then we've got Mark DiGiulio. He's another, a young guy, again, no aspiration to have his own office. He works at Barry Plan at Doncaster in, in Melbourne. Um, wrote 1.2 mil, um, or 1.1 with two um, assistants. Again, says what um, you've just echoed, and that is, I want freedom, I want lifestyle, I want um, health, and I want balance, and I get that by dealing with buyers and sellers and not trying to look after 10, 15 salespeople. Yeah. John, there are the people that are probably suited, because we don't want to turn around and say business ownership is not for anyone. People, I think, that are suited to it are people that are more entrepreneurs that want to build a team of people and work more as a leader, coach, mentor, I think Yeah, I, I think, Tom, unless, you, unless you're going to build a big business, you're far better working for someone else. Because the com commission splits today are much better than they used to be. 
you know, used to be on 30, 35%. Nowadays, you know, there's 50, 60, 70% out there for good companies. So I think the, you know, nowadays that is a, a real opportunity. Uh, but unless you're going to build, you know, let's say you might have, you want to build an empire, three offices, 100 salespeople, something. Well, okay, you're probably not going to satisfy yourself unless you give that a go. But if you're sitting out there and you're saying, look, I wouldn't mind leaving here, I'll get 100% of my sales, I'll employ two salespeople, a receptionist and a property manager, believe me, you're far better off where you are. Just focus and just build your own team internally and just have your time off. So I, I think if you're out there and you really want to have a crack at building an empire, well, it's probably what you'll end up doing. Okay. Um, but, but if not, I think you, know, you can probably achieve everything you want where you are now. Okay. Let's move on to dilemma number two. We'll call it a <laughs> dilemma, right? Because I don't, I, the reason why it is a dilemma is there's actually no short 30-second answer you can give anyone on these topics. You know? there, there's, there's, it, it needs to be debated, and it's the auction debate. You know, yep. and, this, and this isn't like you know a private treaty versus auction, but I do get asked by a lot of people, um, auctions don't work in my area, should I do any at all? Or should we have all our properties as auction? You guys do a bit of both at yep. McGrath's. And Maj- majority are, auction, but both, yep. Yeah. And certain, certain regions, maybe one is influenced more than, than, than another? Absolutely. But what's your view? John McGrath's view, auction versus private treaty, what is better? I think when you go into a listing presentation, you need to go in with all options open and available in your own mind. So you walk in with a toolbox of options, of which two major tools are auction or private treaty, and you make a decision once you've met the client uh, you'll have a bit of uh, preconception because you'll know what the market's doing and you'll know what, is that a great street, is it not a great street, what sort of price range. But I think you need to be open. When you're in there with a the client, I'm, I'm making decisions as we speak and I'm listening to what they want to achieve, what's their time frame, I'm looking at the property, I'm making a judgment call as to how saleable and in demand is this property going to be. I know what price range, I know what's happening in my community. So I'm going in there and I'm saying to the client, Tom, look, there are two obvious options here. We can go private treaty, we can put a price on, we can go auction, we can leave a price off, we might utilise a price guide and we get demand happening and we can create a competition. I sort of talk it through and I'm starting to look at the body language of the client. There are some clients where I think auction is absolutely wrong because the stress of the whole process would almost kill them. And I think I'm there to protect my client. One, I'm clearly there to get the best result, but I've got to protect them along the way. And I think some clients just won't be able to deal with the, the, the stress and tension of an auction because it does build to a crescendo. But that's a very small percentage. There are some properties that I think, you know, Tom, I know this is saleable, but this could take some time. This has got some in, inherent issues. It's, it's sort of structurally flawed to some degree. To find the right buyer for this, it's gonna, it may take us time. We might find it tomorrow or it could take us six months. Where there are other properties I walk in, I know with 10 phone calls, I'm going to have 10 prop- people that want to buy this property now. So different properties, you know, are going to, uh, I think, attract different methods. So I make all those assessments, and, and, and then at the end of that, I'll just speak my truth to the vendor. And some vendors say, John, I really don't like auction, and I say I respect that, but let me just tell you the pros and cons of both, and then you decide. Um, so I go down that way, Tom, but I, th- I don't think, and I know in the past there's been huge advocates for auction, 
must auction, everything should be auctioned. And there's been equally strong advocates on the other side. Auction doesn't work, it's a waste of vendors' money, it just promotes the agent. I, I think if you're really smart, you're in the middle. You're saying, I know that auction attracts some benefits, I know private treaty works for some people and some properties. Until I look at the property, understand the client, get a brief from them, really understand their goals, um, I can't make that judgment call. So I think you've got to go into it in a balanced perspective. Um, yes, majority of the properties we sell are by auction. We're very fortunate that we work in a lot of communities on the east coast of Australia at the moment that are appealing communities and, and um, are in demand. And we're also very fortunate that within those communities we often get invited into some of the better properties. So you know, there is definitely a skew for, for a lot of the properties that we handle that auction is almost a natural fit. Um, but I do think there are some areas where agents are, are scared of auction. Um, they don't understand auction. They haven't been taught. So all I say, to, because often they, people come on board with us and they're those agents. They're agents that have never used auction. They've got this sort of negative blind spot. And I say, let me just teach you the benefits of it. Then I'm not going to push you to do auctions or your client. It's your decision. But unless you have the information and the equipment and the confidence, you'll never recommend it. Yeah. And uh, we've found a lot of agents have come to us from a non-auction background. They've learnt the skills, they've, they've had the good experience, then all of a sudden they become raving fans because they yeah. know it can work. So I think you, know, you don't want to have you know, total blinkers on auction or total blinkers on private treaty. You definitely want to be confident and competent in both. Okay. Well, I just uh, can't help but think in a comment that was made uh, six months ago, John, as I finished an auction, I think it sold for... Not much over it. Sold 45 over reserve. And as I was hopping into my car to drive off, I remember the um, owner, the lady came up to me. She said, thank you so much. And she said, I'm glad I went to auction. She goes, otherwise, I think I would have undersold it by 45000 And it was it, the way she said it mm. had an impact on me because she basically said every dollar over the reserve would have been what it would have undersold for. And Tom, as you know, if it's an owner-occupied property, you can double that. That's like a $90,000 wage. Yeah. Yeah, because most people get taxed sort of close to 50%. Yeah. So to get $45,000 in your bank account, you've got to earn 90000 Oh, that was a year. Uh, John, I think she worked at a hospital as an um, orderly or an assistant. Yeah. That, 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 was a, that was a year's salary yeah. in five minutes. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the great things um, that auction can do that. When you hit the sweet spot and you've got an agent that understands it and sells it and you've got a strong marketing campaign and you've got a property and you've got a market that's kind of a little bit confident heading in the right direction, all of a sudden those planets can align and you're right. It can be 45, it can be 450,000 above reserve. So there's definitely some upside and, and I just think everyone should have all the skills all the competencies should discuss both sides with, with each client and then make a recommendation based on their best experience. That's, that, for me, is a balanced approach to it. And then um, you know, hopefully they'll have some success doing both things and then they're not going to be concerned about recommending auction because it, it can really work well. Okay. It's been Tom Panos and John McGrath. We've touched on the two subjects, auctions versus private treaty, uh, effective business unit versus total business, business ownership. Uh, until next time, uh, enjoy the podcast, but more importantly, I hope you do something about it. Thanks a lot.